welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. So, today we're talking about simplicity, as Tim uh, talked about earlier. And simplicity is, it's a, a fun thing, um, because it ebbs and flows. There was this book published in 1995, it was called Simple Abundance, A Daybook of Comfort and Joy. Does anyone remember that book? Yeah? Yeah? Um, I, I didn't know about it until I read this article. So this book, um, it was published, and it was about simplicity and fulfillment. And it was a bestseller, and it changed lives. But the thing was, the author made a lot of money because it was a bestseller. And so she took all that money, and she started, um, she started spending it and going, and going on like countless jet trips. And she bought a chapel in Europe, and she used it as a private like writing studio, and so basically just used up all that money, made her life really complicated, and this June she showed up on Oprah, and she confessed that she had done all this, and she had not taken her own advice, and so she wrote another book about not taking her own advice, (laughs) and that one will probably go on the bestseller list, Uh, if you ever want to make lots of money, don't follow your own advice. Um, but I, I bring that up because even the experts on simplicity can very easily go in this direction of complexity and material abundance. It's, it's a practice that takes a lot of focus. Um, when Mike and I talked about me talking about simplicity, he was like, I think you'd be a really good person to talk about this. And I thought to myself, I really wish that were true. <laughs> Um, because I think, I think you can look at my life and you can, you can think, wow, Lane lives a, a fairly simple life. I bike everywhere. I live in a house with uh, six other people and pay very little rent, and I love the simple things of life. Um, so I live a relatively simple life, but I also do a lot of things that complicate my life and are wasteful. And, um, and so, you know... Simplicity is just this like wrapped up process of all of life, and it's hard to sort out. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, I look at at the fact that I'm not living as as simple as I wish that I was, and I think that I could very easily fall into guilt. Uh, and that's where it's really important in all of these spiritual disciplines that you you know yourself. It could almost be a spiritual discipline in itself to know yourself. Um, and, and, and that's where you can't have guilt. Because when you really look at it, um, guilt will just stop all, pros- all progress you have in, in any of these. And so what I do have is sadness, because I've tasted the fruit of simplicity. And um, this is cliche, but there's not much that's sweeter. Uh, it's, uh, it makes life really beautiful. Um, and I first started this journey on simplicity when I was in college. And I read... Uh, this book, uh, the biography of Rich Mullins, uh, it's called An Arrow Pointing to Heaven, and I think my mom actually picked it up at a garage sale, and I'm not, like, a huge fan of Rich Mullins' music, like, it was just a generation or two before me, um, we sang, um, Awesome God up at camp, you guys know that song? Yeah, that's, um, I, I love that song, but the rest of his stuff, I'm just like, it's not really... My, my kind of thing, but I'm just captivated by the person of Rich Mullins. Uh, I don't even know how I got started. You know, the book was sitting there. I just picked it up and started reading it. And I read about this guy who would, he was a talented musician, 
he would show up in his, his shows and he'd have a white t-shirt on and, and blue jeans and he wouldn't be wearing shoes and there'd be, you know, no glamour to his show and he would just talk about the love of God and uh, nature and, and family and he was really just this strange figure. He was like a hippie Christian musician and he, when he would get his, pay, his paychecks, he actually set it up so his manager would get the paycheck and he would never see, he never wanted to know how much money he was making. He just said, give me enough that I can eat and I can, I can live and give the rest away. He didn't want to know because he didn't want to get caught up in that. Um, and so by the end of his life, uh, he was hit, he was killed by a drunk driver. Um, and, and they went to, you know, divvy up his possessions and they found out all he had was books and, and that was it. And, and by that point he had kind of given up the, the touring and he was teaching kids how to play music on a native American reservation. And so I read about this guy and I was just like, that's, that's beautiful. That's, that's a way that I want to live my life. And, and through that, you know, you go down the process and you find other people that are similar, like Shane Claiborne and, and Brother Lawrence. And so I, you know, started reading about all these people and I started to try and live this life. And there were times when I did it really well. Like, I, I mean, I would, I had very little possessions. I didn't want possessions and I was really happy. And then there are other times when I had very little possessions because I was poor, um, <laughs> and and that's a whole different story. Um, some people call it going to a, a private university. Um, <laughs> and and then there are times when I have more possessions than I know what to do with, which is um, right now. Uh, it's you need to stay focused. If you lose focus, you you just accumulate things. That's that's just how it is. Um, and so. In preparing for this message, I've been reminded um, that I have lost focus a little bit. Um, I think even two years ago, I would have preached a very different message. I would have, I would have come in here. I would have um, put Matthew 27, I think, on the screen, uh, where he tells the the rich young ruler to give up all his stuff, and I always said, do it. Just get rid of everything. Uh, but today, uh, I'm not going to say that because that is a really difficult thing to do and it's not always the best thing to do. Um, and so today I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a different direction. If you want to go in that direction, it sometimes works. There's the story of St. Francis, who is one of, one of my favorite um, saints, figures in church history. He grew up in a wealthy family. His dad um, hold, held some sort of title, and so he was—he lived a very comfortable life. And one day, he he went and read the Bible and and found out that Jesus was calling him to this life of simplicity and servanthood and uh, taking care of the poor. So he started taking all of his dad's money and just giving it to the poor. And so his dad was a little upset with this, understandably, and went to Francis and said, "Hey." I'm giving this money to you, not to the poor. And this happened a couple times, and Francis just kept doing it. And so the dad went to the, the bishop and said, can you talk to my son and tell him to stop doing this? So the bishop goes up to St. Francis, and he says, Francis, you're disobeying God because you're disobeying your father. Um, 
you need to stop squandering his wealth um, and use the resources to give it to you wisely. And so Francis said, all right, I can't, I can't do that. And so he stripped himself naked in front of the bishop, his father, and a bunch of other people in the town. He walked into the forest, and he spent the rest of his life serving the poor. And eventually he found some more clothes. Um, <laughs> so sometimes radical moves do work, um, but most of the time, if they aren't planned carefully, radical moves don't make radical results. Um, so we're going to go in what I think is a little more of a holistic approach. Um, what is simplicity? I think there's two qualifications for being, something being simple, and that's uh, it needs to be simple in design or it needs to be simple in function. Uh, so I have three phones up here, three different phones. We have an Android, um, an iPhone, and a flip phone, a uh, Samsung uh, flip phone. Which one's simple? <laughs> That's good. I should have brought up like those styrofoam cups with a string. <laughs> That's um, so. I think I think the flip phone is actually um, a simple one because uh, it's simple in function. It just it makes phone calls. I could like press this and then press you know another thing, and we'll see if Toph left his phone on Ringer. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> um, so it's simple in function. It just calls things, and it does it fairly well. Um, it's not on a 3G system, but it, it does what it was made to do. Uh, simple in function. But actually, I kind of tricked you guys because there's another one that's simple, and it's the iPhone. Um, <laughs> and, and here's why. It has one button. Have you guys ever looked at an iPhone? It has one button. Like, and that was, like, Steve Jobs was like, the iPhone needs to have one button, nothing, nothing else. And everyone's like, everyone's like, no, that can't be done. That's impossible. And he just said, no, you need to make me a phone with one button. Because if you have more buttons, there's more room for error, there's more room, uh, there's more complexity. People don't like complexity. They actually like simplicity uh, as much as we try to trick ourselves into complexity. But also, the iPhone was the first, uh, the first phone that took the screen and the, the place where you interact with it, the interface, and put them in the same place. So now, you do everything, you look at it, and you interact in the same place. I mean, that's crazy. That's simplicity in design. And then the, the newest iPhones, it's all one piece. Everything is connected. You can't like add anything to the iPhone. You can't take anything away. Like If you break it, they just give you a new one because it's all together, and that actually keeps it um, working better and um, just streamlines it. So, like, you know, like, there used to be you could put an 8-gig uh, memory card into a phone, and you could put a 16-gig in. The iPhone doesn't do that. It's simple in design. Um, and those are the, the two ways to be simple, function and design. Um, Droid lovers, this is mine. I, I have the droid, um, so don't feel like you're being attacked. I'm attacking myself. Uh, simplicity in design, simplicity in function. But how does that 
how does that work when you're talking about people? Like, how do you be simple in design and simple in function? Because people are a little more nuanced than phones, a little bit. Because uh, the thing is, you can't have a person that's simple in function and not simple in design, and you can't have a person that's simple in design and not simple in function. They just go together. Um, At, at this point, I think we have a couple postmodern people in this room who are probably worried that we're talking about simplicity um, because simplicity has led to a lot of ugly things in the world. Um, and to that I say, I'm with you. Life is a very complex, messy, wild thing. Uh, and complexity actually makes some things beautiful. Complexity can make life beautiful, but uh, when... When complexity is, is beautiful, it's a complexity built on simplicity. Because complexity built on complex things just falls apart. Um, it's like, there's this philosophical concept called Occam's Razor. Anyone heard of it? No? All right. Um, so it's basically the concept where um, the easiest answer is almost always the right one. Uh, but it gets it abused a lot because you can take it into, like, a debate, and and the easiest answer becomes the right one, and we see this in politics, where the cleanest, easiest, most unnuanced answer beats the technical, gritty answer that's probably actually right. But Occam's razor brings us to a place where we can just say, when you strip life down to its to its basic functions, it's probably going to be better than building up all these different castles of complexity. Um, and I have I have a way that I'm going to try and and explain this. X squared plus three x plus two. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I didn't even finish it. Over x plus 2. Um, this is something that I'm guessing almost everyone in this room is looking at, and they're like, what is that? Like, why is that on the board? What do we do with that? It's math. I'm feeling anxious. I just want to go outside. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's a way that we can try and understand how you can make complex things simple. Um, because this actually can can be broken down and it be, it can become much more easy to read and understand, um, but it takes a few steps. So the first step is you just look at it and you think, can I can I order this differently? So um, you have you have x's and you have you have numbers, and so can you put those x's and numbers in any sort of way that makes makes sense? And basically you can just split it. You have the x's over here and the numbers on the other side. And so basically you take that 3x, which has something in common with the x squared and the 2. You guys lost yet? You with me? Okay, here's my promise to you. The math, you don't need to know the math at all. If you're confused by the math, don't worry about it. Follow the process, you'll be fine. My other promise is that this is going somewhere. Okay? All right. So we have x squared plus x plus 2x plus 2 
over x plus 2. Does anybody notice anything about going from here to here? There's the 2's over here and the x's over here. The weird thing is it actually looks, if you just look at it, it looks more complex than the first time. So here, we can keep going, and we just basically, we have the x's over here and the 2's over here, and so we can take an x out, and we get x, um, x and x plus 1, and 2x plus 1, okay? over x plus 2. Make sure I'm doing this right. Do you guys ever have the math teacher who would like put the equation on the board and try and do it and then like they clearly didn't know what they were doing so they went and looked in their answer book? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so then you go from here, you have this equation, right? And it's actually even more complex than the second one, which was more complex than the first one. But we're getting somewhere, right? So this one, basically you just, you order things, and then you put things together. This is the process of, of complexity to simplicity, and it's a hard process sometimes, because sometimes you feel like you're getting nowhere, but you're actually getting somewhere. Because now, you just look at it, and you, you can actually just look at this um, in a different way, and it becomes x plus 1, and x plus 2 over x plus 2. And finally, we're starting to get somewhere, right? So this looks, looks more simple than the beginning, right? Right? Stay with me. We're almost done. We're almost done. All right, so we have two things right here that look the same. And this is, I think, the easiest thing when going from complexity to simplicity is you realize that sometimes things just cancel each other out. Sometimes things are just extra in your life, and you can just get rid of them. And so we're left with x plus 1. Right? We went from this to this, just ordering things, taking them out, making them more simple. And that... That's really what I think uh, simplicity is about, is looking at your life, seeing what you can order in a new way, uh, what you can, can move to, to be with another part of your life to make things more simple, what you can just look at in a different way, what you can take away. Um, that's the process of complexity and simplicity um, on a very um, complex line. Um, any questions right now? That was a lot. Are you guys following? <laughs> I, I love you guys. <laughs> yes, I'm the, I'm the teacher. I'm always right. <laughs> so I, th I think the really, the really crazy thing about this um, is... When you, when you boil everything down in life, it becomes x plus 1. Everything in life can boil down and become x plus 1. Um, I'm not going to do another math equation, but I am going to use the whiteboard a little bit more. Um, we have x. 
and I'm going to tell you what x is. x is a variable. x is something that, that changes, that isn't constant, that is going to be different every time you come up to it. And, and I think x is, x is, is the Old Testament law. Okay? There were 613 commands in the Old Testament law. 613. I had to learn that in like my freshman year in the intro to Bible college, and that number is just stuck in my mind. 613 commands. Some of them were like, don't boil a goat in its mother's milk. Um, don't put two different kinds of fabric together. Uh, don't. Um, there were all these things about um, how to interact with animals. There's a really cool one that says uh, to let your field rest every seven years. And they don't really give an explanation for it, but scientifically it actually makes sense because then your crop, you yield more crops um, overall. So there's all these, these commands, and, and this was what dictated life, right? This is how you're supposed to live. But there's, there's a big problem with that. And can anyone tell me what that problem is immediately when you have a set of commands that are supposed to be how you live your life for all of, of eternity? Yeah. Yes, yes, it runs into itself because life changes, technology changes. So um, you develop different ways of, of planting your crops, you do develop different ways of making your clothes, uh, you get new neighbors, uh, life, life changes. And, and there's all these different crazy things in life where you put all these people in a room, all these distinct personalities, and then they start interacting with each other and, and sending these personality particles back and forth and, and crazy things happen that no one can expect. And that is X. That's the variable that's always going to be there. Uh, it's, it's 613 plus technology plus people X. It's this, this thing that we have really very little control over. Uh, and and the more we realize that we can't change X, we can't change life, the more simple our lives are going to be. Um, because when we try and change X, then we mess with the equation, and then it doesn't work anymore. So the 613 commands. There's there's this one day when Jesus was, was talking with the Pharisees, and... This is one of my favorite things that Jesus does. He's talking with the Pharisees, and, and they say, Teacher, uh, what is, what's the, the greatest commandment? And, and this is a trap. Every time the Pharisees talk to Jesus, it's a trap. You just know it. They're looking. There's like one or two possible answers, and, and no matter what answer he gives, they're going to be angry with him, and they're going to use it against him. But just like every time, Jesus finds some way to get above that conversation. So here, Jesus answers the question, and he says, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, um, and with all your strength um, in Luke. Luke and Matthew differ on that. Uh, but basically, he just, he just puts up this standard, and he says, everything else falls into this. And he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think actually both of those are the same. 
um, or he's making the same point. He's saying, if you do this, if you love your neighbor, you're loving God. If you love God, you're loving your neighbor. Uh, and he, and the, the beauty of this is, is when you go into the Hebrew, I love, I love Hebrew because Hebrew has these, like, these words that have like a million different meanings um, or complexity to their meaning. There we go. I love the complexity of it. Uh, but in the Hebrew, it's Shema Yitzrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Achad Ahavta Adonai Kolim Levecha Kolim Neshecha Kolim Meod. We had to memorize that in Hebrew class. It's it's basically uh, so the the Levecha is is your heart. Love God with all your heart. The Neshecha is is your soul. Love God with all your soul. And the Meod. The ma'od is one of my favorite Hebrew words. It means your muchness. Like, that's the best translation we have for it. It's like everything you have. Love God with everything you have. Like, the down in the pit of your stomach, love God. And so when Jesus says, with your heart, with your soul, and with your ma'od, he's really saying you're in, the entirety of your life should be pointed towards loving God. And that's where, that's where I think we can spiritualize the math is that when you boil it down, you, you just, when you love God, you become aligned with God in these things. And these things should be your heart, your soul, your ma'od need to be coming together to, to push that love out into the world. And, and that's really, I believe... What simplicity is, is when everything just lines up and you start loving God um, and, and you love him with your heart, with your mind, with your soul. And, and that's where you become the one. That's the one is... The one is heart, soul, and me'od. All together, right? So if you have one of those wrong... It doesn't equal one, right? Like, you, if you're missing the heart, you have like 0.66 or whatever. Um, it's the, all of this together, x plus one equals simplicity. You, you interact with life. You know, all the complexity of life, it's there. You, you can't change it. And I think sometimes when we try and simplify life, that's, that's when we try and, and simplify all the things outside of our control, and that just gets us in trouble. So instead, simplify the one, move it towards God, and all the other things are going to come with it. Um, to make this practical, I have an exercise. And the exercise is basically think of one thing in your life that makes, that makes things more complicated than they, need, than they need to be. My guess is you all already have one thing in your mind. Yeah? No, one thing that like make that makes you uh, have to do things that you don't want to do that that takes you away from loving God. And so we're going to take the next few minutes to just reflect on that. Think about the different ways that you can take that one complex thing, order it, rearrange it, change it, take it away. Whatever whatever you need to do to get in line with loving God, with all your heart, with all your mind, and with your ma'od. Um, does that make sense? So take a few minutes, um, reflect, and pray, 
and I'll come back up after that. Man, cool. So, I think one thing you guys probably noticed during that time was we didn't have music, and um, it's kind of awkward, you know, like just sitting there, silent in a room full of people. Um, but part of part of this whole process is really just living in that awkwardness and pushing through it, and the uncomfortableness of of reflecting and how you can make your life aligned more with loving God. Um, we're going we're gonna to sing one more song, and then I'll come back up. Um, this week, I want you to, to keep doing that. Reflect on that one thing, and see if you can you know, change it, take it out of your life, do whatever with it. Um, and if you want to go beyond that, um, I have a favorite little um, exercise. It's called the prayer of examine. So basically, what I do is at the end of my day, just lay in bed, uh, whatever, and, and think about the day. Go through everything that happened and just look at it and think about how um, your life is, is set up and whether there's anything extra that you don't need that you can take out. Um, think about the way that you interact with people. Think about the way that people interact with you. Uh, and basically just reflect on it and pray about it and, and, and see what you can do to simplify. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. 
See you next time.